Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. This week, we're going to take a break from stories about racist police violence and about coronavirus. Instead, we're going to bring you a story that's more hopeful. We're rebroadcasting a documentary from our archives that we first reported back in 2017. And since then, Paramount Pictures has optioned the story to turn it into a movie. A screenwriter is working on the script right now, and actor Channing Tatum is lined up to play the lead role. You can picture him as you listen. Here it is. Matt Hay was in his early 20s when doctors told him he was going to lose his hearing. He began to prepare. He started taking sign language classes and learning how to read lips. He also doubled down on music. I found myself in a moment where I thought, what songs do I want stuck in my head for the rest of my life? I'm April Dimbaski, and on today's special edition of the California Report magazine, we all have a soundtrack to our lives. But what if you were 21, just coming of age, and you had to choose then what the soundtrack would be for the rest of your life? What if your life went on, but the music in your head stayed the same? We'll follow Matt on his journey through music, through memories of college buddies and first loves. And we'll hear what happens to the soundtrack of his life after he lands on an operating table in Los Angeles. In retrospect, Matt says his hearing was always kind of bad. He remembers cheating on those audio tests they did in elementary school. I never raised my hand enough in the whole, like, tone test. I can even remember sometimes raising my hand because I felt like it had been too long since I heard a tone. So I was just making it up. He was a sophomore at Indiana University when he noticed he was always holding the phone to his right ear. He finally went to the audiologist. And she said, you know, your results are just coming back really weird. I'd like you to have an MRI. The scan showed two benign tumors in his head, pushing up against his left and right hearing nerves. Doctors diagnosed him with a rare condition called neurofibromatosis type 2. Within a year, he was basically deaf in his left ear. And after graduation, his right ear started to falter. My hearing started getting worse and worse. The tumors were getting bigger. Everything grew really fast. I mean, it went from non-issue to major issue. The doctor confirmed what Matt feared. It could be a few years. It could be 10. But eventually, he would be deaf. Suddenly, Matt was desperate to capture the sounds that were starting to slip away. He chose a handful of songs that he listened to on repeat 
over and over. You very quickly want to start hearing things like listen to those songs that, that really meant a lot to you because you might not ever get to hear them again. He was basically curating the soundtrack to his future. For Matt, that started with The Beatles, The Beach Boys, and Prince. This one takes him back to high school, when he and his good friend Stephanie first got their driver's licenses. And I have great memories of going down, driving down the highway in her Subaru Legacy with all four windows down on a, you know, summer evening, and just seven turned up all the way and all of us singing horribly along with it. Matt was really deliberate about choosing songs he associated with good times. He was not sitting down and memorizing angsty teenage rock anthems or depressing ballads. I, I, love the colorful you wear. I never connected with melancholy. That was just not how I've been programmed. If there was a song I associated with sadness or loneliness, it's not something I would have latched onto. So when I think about good vibrations, I just think about the three buddies in an apartment. You know, we're all working and getting a real paycheck for the first time in our lives, and we've got our own place and we're going out in the city and we come back from a night out and just, <laughs> let's play some Beach Boys. Around the same time all this was happening, Matt met a girl, Nora. They had both known of each other in college, but it wasn't until six months after graduation that the spark came. It was at a New Year's Eve party in Chicago. And so this was 2000, so they play Prince's 1999, and then it's midnight, and they played the Backstreet Boys Millennium song. At some point in the night, got in this really great conversation with Nora, and was just really struck by her. She's incredibly intelligent. He was funny. Remember her just, just being this very joyful person. He was kind. And she was also very cute. And he was cute. Wow. And so at midnight, I positioned myself to kiss Nora at midnight. He got Nora's phone number, and a couple weekends later, Matt was on his way for a visit. Nora knew from the beginning that Matt had a disease that affected his hearing, but it wasn't an issue. He had a good side, so I would always walk on that side, talk on that side, and it became habit, so that was... No big deal, really. As they got more serious, she started going with Matt to his medical appointments. And one doctor told her she should be taking sign language classes with him. She and Matt doubled down on music together. They went to concerts and festivals. You too. Paul McCartney. Fish. Camping at fish shows. Back. But the memories Matt wanted to capture the most were the intimate ones at home. You know, I can remember 
Nora taking a radio in to the bathroom and smell her perfume and overhear the music she's listening to as she's getting ready to go out. Beautiful Way was always the song. Who's gonna love my baby when she's gone around the bend? Matt remembers this time Nora helped him and his friends move into a new apartment. They spent the day in sweatpants and t-shirts, laughing, joking around. Nora made moving fun. And I remember listening to Beck and being in our new apartment with boxes everywhere and dancing to Beck, and it was the first time I told her, I think I'm falling in love with you. had been dating nine months when Matt developed a new tumor. This one was in his neck. The pain was awful. To the point where he couldn't really move, sleep, do much at all. He was going to need major surgery to remove it. Matt felt guilty. I was like, hey, you don't owe me anything. I totally get it. (laughs) If This is more than you wanted to sign up for. Nora, she was in. She dropped out of med school. When the big day came, Nora drove him to the hospital. You know, we listened to this on the way to surgery. Like, <laughs> don't you know, don't worry about a thing is, <laughs> a thing. is a good theme on your way to brain surgery. Right. But the surgery wasn't all right. When Matt woke up, he couldn't walk. And he had sensory loss from the waist down. Doctors sent him to rehab. And the doctor casually said, well, wherever we are in a year, that's where we'll be. And that's all anybody really knew. Matt was by far the youngest person in the rehab, and the schedule was not designed for 23-year-olds. Lunch was at 11, dinner was at 4.30, lights out at 6. So Nora would come break him out of there. And she'd take me to the mall and push me around in a wheelchair. And we got in trouble for staying out too late, which was like 5.30. (laughs) 23-year-old rehab rebels. Matt saw what he had. A girl willing to give up med school to sneak him sandwiches, to snuggle in his twin bed watching old movies. A girl who, after visiting hours, trained for a marathon to raise money for research into neurofibromatosis, too. (laughs) You can't not marry. (laughs) You can't not marry the girl that does that. Two years after surgery, Matt and Nora got married and bought a condo in Chicago. Life was normal and happy. Physically, Matt was fully recovered, back to his invincible self. But his hearing continued to get worse. The hearing aid in his right ear, his good ear, kept getting bigger until it was as big as it could get. Eventually, there was a day when Matt's hearing faded out for good. He was 27. I can remember being in the elevator in my office at work and uh, was going down the elevator and somebody was making small talk. 
And for no reason at all, it sounded like they were underwater when they talked to me. He called me and he said, things are sounding weird today. It's tinny, it's muffly, like something's not right. So I hopped on the train and I went home and Nora, as soon as Nora got home from work, I said, I, th- I think, um, I think we're done. <laughs> like we were told this is how it could go. And there's a place on Division Street, Adobo Grill, that has great margaritas and great guacamole, the table side guacamole. So we went and got guacamole. <laughs> like, what do you do when you lose your hearing? You go get margaritas and guacamole. And I can, so I can remember uh, walking there and just sitting across having margaritas and telling each other, I love you. He wanted me to laugh. He wanted me to laugh so he would remember that. And hear me say I love you. You can mouth the words I love you to somebody. You can sign I love you to somebody. But I wanted to make sure. (laughs) I wanted to make sure I remember what it sounded like. Such a beautiful A lot of people think being deaf is like living in absolute silence, but it's actually really noisy. Matt had major tinnitus. When he could hear, any sound coming in would mask the ringing in his ears. But when his hearing went, the ringing was unbearable. I would have one ear that sounded like a roaring freight train, and the other ear would sound like a cryptic organ, <laughs> and it's constant sound coming in at different pitches and what feels like different volume. They don't exactly know what causes it, but it's almost like phantom limb pain where your brain wants to hear something. And when it can't, it manufactures its own noise. But in terms of the outside world, he got nothing. I would leave doors open, leave cars running, burn pizzas in the oven. Nora's main task at this time was talking to doctors in Los Angeles. That's where Matt was going to have experimental brain surgery. Doctors were going to remove the tumor on his hearing nerve, but they were also going to implant a new hearing device right at the bottom of Matt's brain. It's called an auditory brainstem implant, or ABI. One of the things that really scared me most through this process was I... I went to research the ABI or I want to talk to people about the experience. There was nobody to talk to. 
And the one person I finally get in touch with was just miserable. And there was only a 50-50 chance that it would work at all. Matt and Nora figured they should go to the place with the most experience putting them in. Like, maybe the place that invented them. That would be the House Ear Institute in L.A., where Dr. Bill House implanted the first auditory brainstem implant in 1979. To understand how an auditory brainstem implant works, it's helpful to review some fifth-grade science on how our hearing works in general. It is indeed rightly called the most remarkable mechanical system in the human body. Sound waves enter your Sound ear canal and vibrate the, the eardrum. Drumsticks beat upon a kettle drum or tympanum. That shakes so the middle ear bones, which push the, the sound to the spiral memory, cochlea. Which has the shape of a snake or cockle shell. So the cochlea translates the sound vibrations into the nerve impulses. These impulses are conveyed to the brain by the auditory nerve. So with Matt, there's nothing wrong with his ears. His eardrum, ear bones, cochlea, those all work fine. What doesn't work are his two hearing nerves that carry sound from the ears to the brain. So the little ABI device, it bypasses the ear and the hearing nerve completely and gets implanted right on the brainstem itself. So a month after Matt and Nora sat over margaritas, saying their final I love yous, Matt had the ABI device implanted in his brainstem. At first it just sounded like water running, sounded like somebody smashing up newspaper or wrapping paper. Things were just very robotic. Matt says at that point, hearing anything was crazy. And the sound you're used to, you know, you can kind of tell. You can locate noise, you can kind of feel noise coming in your ears. This was totally different because the sound came from the inside out. It, it went directly to my brain. Normal acoustic hearing relies on 60,000 nerve fibers. Matt was down to 21 man-made electrodes. And at first, all the sound coming through the ABI device was just gibberish. Clapping, or a dog bark, or an oven timer going off. Everything just had the same kind of wrong, 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 wrong. Charlie Brown's teacher is probably the best analogy I can make. There was no clarity to anything. Every couple months for the next year, Matt came back to L.A. so the audiologist could essentially tune the ABI. He would adjust each of the 21 electrodes until those sounds gradually came into focus. Words were really tricky, though. Matt and Nora were still doing a lot of fingerspelling. And yet somehow, it seemed like the perfect time to talk about whether or not they should have kids— they were 28, and none of their friends had kids. But for Matt and Nora, time was on fast forward. We had just lived a lot of life quickly. And it forces you to sort of speed up some life decisions. Matt doubled down with the ABI. He went back to L.A. for more training. Nope. Matt's nope. audiologist puts a cassette in his player, and a woman transplanted from the 80s comes onto the TV screen. Please get the groceries out of the car and put them away for me. At first, Matt might only hear a couple words. Take the dress like. He can lip read a few more. Take the dress and buy that you like. When he combines hearing and lip reading together, Matt can understand about 90% of what's being said. Take the dress back and buy something that you like. Four months after surgery, he was back at work full time. And a few months after that, 
Nora got pregnant with twins. This really motivated Matt to keep training. And he could now hear some more nuanced things. There was this one time he was coming back from the grocery store, walking up the stairs to their condo. And I kept hearing this whoosh, 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 whoosh. He examined the heating vents. When you only have one ear, you can't identify where sound comes from. So I hear this whooshing sound, but I have no idea if that's from above, below, right next to me. He put the groceries down and retraced his steps down the stairs. And so it wasn't until I had walked back down and back up that I realized it was the sound of the seam on the inside of my jeans rubbing against each other. It was an amazing moment for Matt, and it made him wonder what other sounds he could reclaim. When he originally set out to memorize his favorite songs, he thought he'd never hear again. Now, with the device, maybe he could combine his memory with the digitized sound waves to hear something that sounded like music. He had to start simple. Particularly earlier Beatles, that was just clean and like an easy melody. And, you know, some of their songs only have 10 words. In some ways, it wasn't really about the words at all. It was about the rhythm the words created. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really hearing the music. I was identifying the music. So I could say, hey, is this Let It Be? Because I got the like, bum, bum, bum. When I find myself in that maybe I'm not getting the like, unique moments within the music, but I need to manage my expectations. Let it be. For now, this was enough. It was just his first year learning to hear again with the ABI device. Already, he was ahead of the pack. And now he and Nora had two little babies, a boy and a girl, Luke and Madeline. There was a moment when Luke and Maddie were babies, we had two rockers in the nursery, so we'd like sit side by side and read and play the Beatles lullabies. A couple years later, they welcomed another daughter, Kate. All three were tested for their father's condition. None of them has the disease. So here's Invincible Matt. Healthy children, loving wife, stable job. His life was starting to look normal, but he wasn't happy. I was self-conscious about being the deaf dad or being the deaf guy. By now, he had had eight surgeries. He was supposed to be satisfied with surviving, but he wasn't. In tonight's special report, the odds were stacked against him after being diagnosed with a rare disease. He decided to train for an Ironman. That's a two and a half mile swim, followed by a 112 mile bike ride, finished off with a full marathon, a 26 mile run. But Matt Hay refuses to let his disabilities define him and to prove it. I didn't want to be the dad that couldn't hear. I wanted to be, oh, hey, you're like, didn't you do an Ironman? Matt spent every free minute in the pool or on his bike. And that left Nora alone to care for three little kids. I think that's when I sort of panicked about it because I was just like, don't you dare leave or get sick because I can't, I can't do without you. She had something to prove, too, that she could be a single parent if she had to. Like, I, it may be me with them one day, and I need to know that it can be me with them one day. 
that I can do it on my own without your help. When Matt finished the Iron Man, he realized how much he and Nora had grown apart. And that scared him. He ran, swam, and biked away from his fears. And now he figured he could jump back to life the way it was before. But Nora had adapted to life without him. He realized he had a lot of work to do to get her back. I think it took losing my hearing to become a better listener. And, and it's made me, in some ways, a better communicator. The Iron Man had given Matt an excuse to stop listening. But now he had to get back to work with his ABI, learning to communicate on a practical level that he could understand and an emotional one that Nora would understand. This was Matt's next Iron Man, and the key to his self-prescribed training regimen was music. Listening to songs that reminded him of the early romantic days with Nora also served as a reminder of what he had to lose. If somebody had said in 20 years, you're going to be able to hear a song that will connect you back to intimate moments that you had with Nora, or just was so far beyond the realm of possible. But that's what was happening. As he trained the cognitive parts of his brain to hear these old songs again, the emotional networks of his brain got fired up. And the more in touch Matt became with the positive feelings of the past, the better his communication got, the better things went with Nora. They started talking again, really talking. Nora says they're in a much better place now. I mean, you grow. Marriage goes like this for anyone. That was a growing phase, a learning phase that we got through. They adapted to the changes in their life together, found their roles as parents together. They even sang together to their kids before bedtime. And so I would sing and probably butchered the lyrics, but that's the beauty of singing to a two-year-old. I can remember, Kate, sing the U2 song, sing the U2 song. Luke and Maddie are both 11 now. Kate is eight. When you would go to bed, do you remember oh, what song oh, yeah. you would ask me that to sing? That song, I remember that one. You would say, sing the U2 song? You say, oh, you yeah, that one. Diamonds yeah. in a ring of gold. A story to remain untold, but all the promises we made. For Matt, as an adult and as a parent, the role of music has shifted. It's no longer just a solitary activity, a training tool, or a link to the past. It's simply the bridge to his family. Today, there are all these little ways that Matt shows his love through music. When Kate wanted to learn guitar, Matt bought one the next day. When he drives Luke to basketball games, he plays rock anthems in the car to get him pumped up. And last year, when they moved into a new house, Matt installed a surround sound system for Nora. Sometimes before they go out, he'll turn up the music, peer into the bathroom, and watch Nora sing to herself while she gets ready. That was the California Report's health correspondent, April Demboski. This episode of our show called Soundtrack of Silence first aired back in 2017 and is now being turned into a feature film by Paramount Pictures. 
And hey, if you like the kinds of stories that you're hearing on our show, we're looking for listeners like you to participate in a short survey. We want to learn more about what you'd like to hear. You can help us out by visiting kqed.org slash survey. That's kqed.org slash tcrmag survey. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our director is Amanda Font. Our technical producer is Rob Spate. Our audio engineers are Katie McMurrin and Seal Muller. Julia McAvoy edited this story. Our senior editor is Victoria Maleon. I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the Earth needs a good lawyer. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing, through science, the interdependence of all living systems. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.